Boundless Authenticity Podcast, where we discuss everything related to the evolution of human consciousness. Thanks for tuning in to the Boundless Authenticity Podcast. My guest today is Shelly A. Care, PhD. And for over two decades, Shelly has worked with thousands of people around the world, helping them achieve greater peace and happiness in their lives. Shelly is a world-renowned past-life regressionist, and Dr. Shelly's method of combining energy work with hypnosis has been endorsed by numerous leaders in the field of consciousness, including near-death experience pioneer Dr. Raymond Moody and Dr. Brian Weiss. She received her Doctorate of Philosophy in Parapsychic Science from the American Institute of Holistic Theology in 2001. You can visit Shelly online at pastlifelady.com. In this episode, I talk to Shelly about past lives and also her book, Journeys Through the Akashic Records, Accessing Other Realms of Consciousness for Healing and Transformation. Let's get into the discussion now. How's it going, Shelly? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for being on the show. It is my honor to interview you. I'm so excited. Wow, I appreciate it so much. So Shelly, tell everybody who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Shelly Kerr, and I am, I really think of myself first as a writer now, but I am also a past life regressionist. Um, I've been taking people on guided journeys for over 20 years now. And so that's what I write about. Wow. Yeah, I saw that you have a endorsement by Dr. Raymond Moody and Dr. Brian Weiss. That's huge. I was like, ah. yeah dr moody is one of my dear friends in this life and i'm so grateful to have gotten to know him because i read his book when i was a kid and it's just been a complete joy and honor to know him oh that's amazing dr weiss is incredible too i mean i met him through dr moody and uh it's been a real blessing to be able to get to know them because they are my mentors and i love them Absolutely. I only found out about Dr. Brian Weiss a few years ago through a friend of mine. He's actually a healer in India that trained with him when she was very young. And she was like, you got to check out his books, man. I was like, all right, if you say so, I'm going to do it. And I had some of the most interesting past life experiences as a result of that. So I'm really glad that she did. Um, And, uh, you know, I won't get too far into that. I have to know... How did you even get into this line of work? Yeah, it's very weird. Um, In the Western world to be in this work, um, I've been to India, so there obviously it's kind of more normal. But um, when I was a kid, my parents, well, I grew up in New Mexico in the United States. And uh, here, you know, most people are Christians and they're going to church every week. And so we lived in the town where my extended family lives and um, I was attending a typical church. And then I guess my parents just thought, why are people being, you know, nice on Sunday? And then the rest of the days they're acting like a bunch of idiots. And I guess at some point, you know, I was kind of raised by some hippies in the sixties. And so they just said, you know what, this is not for us anymore. You know, we believe people need to be good people all year round, you know, and not be so hypocritical. So they just decided they didn't want to go to church anymore. And just the other piece, I guess, is, um, 
you know, they were saying, okay, how can a God say that this group is going to burn and then the rest of everybody, you know, this one group's okay, but everybody else is going to burn. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. So they just said, no, we're not going to do this anymore. And then we moved around. We ended up moving over to Colorado Springs, Colorado. And in that town, um, my mother went to a luncheon and the lady who was speaking was one of the most famous past life regression subjects back in those days. And she was the subject of this book called the search for Bridie Murphy. And it was about this woman who had very bad allergies. She was very sickly and, you know, medications and things can only go so far. So she ended up at a hypnotherapist. And so part of that kind of treatment would be, okay, well, let's just take you back to the source of the allergies when you were maybe a teenager. Nope, we're not there yet. Okay, let's go back to when you were a little girl. No, that's, it's helping, but it's not really hitting the mark. And so finally the hypnotherapist says, look, I want you to go back to the source of those allergies. And so she went all the way back to some life that she said she lived in Ireland and she started speaking in this accent, talking about all these people that she knew in the town. And so anyway, she was the subject of this book. My mother happens to be at the, at the luncheon because this happened very near where we lived, where this woman had been regressed, bought the book and brought it home to the family dinner table. So while other Americans um, were probably not talking about reincarnation when they're little kids at the family dinner table, that's what we were actually talking about. And there was just something about that, that it just hit me as the truth. It just, even at a young age. And also speaking of Dr. Moody, you know, around the same time when I was still in Albuquerque and I remember finding his book when I was a little kid, Life After Life, and reading about these near-death experiences and thinking, wow, you know, sitting out in the driveway of my house, just looking up at the stars and thinking, what is going on out here? You know, we're all going to die or, you know, I, I don't know, just having really profound thoughts. And so um, that's kind of the foundational thing. So it's something that has been in my consciousness since a very, very young age, especially um, pretty unique for somebody in the United States. And then in my 20s, I had a really dear friend who had invited me to go on a hiking trip and I couldn't go. And then I found out that he had been killed. He fell off a cliff and he died. And about a month after his death, I was, um, I used to work as a, I used to have a real job, <laughs> a normal job. I used to be in sales. And so I was coming home on a Friday afternoon from my traveling sales job. And I happened to gaze up in the window of the place where I was living at the time. And I saw him standing in the window in an apparition form. This is about a month after his death. He was wearing jeans and a white tank top. I went up to him and then I went, ah, you know, it was very scary. And then for a period of some, I don't know, I can't remember. It's been, that's been many, many years ago, maybe at least a month. I started having just periodic, um, experience, paranormal experiences of smelling smells or having sensations, lights and darkened places, you know, where I sensed that this person was reaching out to me many years passed. Um, and I was, I had moved, you know, a lot around and I was back in Colorado, which is kind of where my past life stuff began in the first place. And I started experiencing my friend's energy there again. And in, in the Colorado area, it's really an interesting place because there's a lot of hypnotherapists there, a lot of spiritual people there. And somebody said, well, you need to go have a past life regression because you need to see what the unfinished business is between you and your friend. And I thought, wow, okay. So it's really easy to get you know, somebody to hypnotize you in Colorado. So I did. And then I ended up 
going back into several lifetimes where he and I had known each other. And in all these lifetimes, he had passed away and under, you know, very sad circumstance and left me here thinking, is there anything I could have done to prevent this from happening? And it's really weird, Jehan, because I was all these years having this horrible grief, not being able to really overcome this and something about just getting above the situation and saying, wait a minute, guess what? We're all souls. You have your path. I have mine. And just seeing that I had known this person before all of this heavy energy that I'd been carrying around just kind of got up and left. And so then later, um, I mean, just so many things have happened. I had a near death experience. I came out of that. I had some interior knowledge that I was not aware of before that happened. Um, and I started writing books. So I've written a lot of other books about energy healing. And I was kind of shown that thoughts are things. And the first book that I wrote about past lives came out in 2002. That's how long I've been writing about this. And Brian Weiss had endorsed that one. I was talking about the fact that we could talk about the fact that we're having a past life, but there's actually an energetic component to those memories. It's situated in our energy fields. And so I believe we have to, we can talk it through, which is very healing on one level, but we also have to address the energetic component of memory. And so I think that's what kind of captured Dr. Weiss's attention at that time. We talked about that and some of the other work I was doing, which was stuff I still do, which is taking people out into memories of the future in the current life because the unified field is vast and there's many, many possibilities. So I would ask people to go out to a happy place where you're happy, you're healthy, everything's going well. And so I started writing about that as well. And I, I started learning this again, first for myself, it, the, the process of progression helped me so deeply after going on my own journey to try to find some relief. It was the only thing that really finally just made me say, yes, I get it now. I don't need to be burdened by this anymore. And so I thought this is something that I want to start doing for others. So it's a very long story, but you know, it's just a lot of multidimensional things there. Shelly, I wish the story was longer. I I hope that my audience understands why I was so excited to have you on because I could listen to you talk about this all day long, easily. <laughs> you are too sweet. I just want to know everything, Shelly. <laughs> but I have a question for you about the near death experience. And I also want to say thank you for telling the Bridie Murphy story because that's a very popular story, but still a lot of people don't know that's how this all got started. And um that's really great. But in your near death experience, did you did you feel as though you had access to a ton of information you just didn't have an awareness of before and when you came back from that you were completely changed forever yeah it was very strange um before this incident happened i started um i was living in colorado i was going through a divorce i was living in this strange kind of haunted building that i think kind of contributed to the weirdness um and i started just I don't know. Unlike any other time before I started hearing the inner voice, just, I was really guided. There's something wrong. I'm not going to live much longer. And then I didn't have an accident. It wasn't, you know, like if you read Dr. Moody's work where he talks to people who died on the operating table or something like that, it was nothing like that. But I literally just got up out of my body and I just found myself in a light room with, you know, beings of light, faceless beings. The only person whose face I could recognize 
was my dad's mother, my grandmother, who had died right before I was born. And it was weird. Like she wasn't, nobody even knew she was sick. And then really shortly after my birth, I was very sick when I was a baby. She just died all of a sudden and it shocked everyone. And I, I don't know in the deepest parts of my soul. Cause I think, you know, we all have these soul knowings. I, I always thought of her as a guardian to me, even though no one ever talked about that. My family certainly wouldn't have talked about things like that. But once I saw her in the light, then I realized that, yeah, she must be some kind of a guardian angel to me. Mm-hmm. And so it was very cerebral, you know, it's very, like they say, it's cerebral. Um, there's no words there. I don't even remember how long I was in that space. There was, again, more of a thought transfer rather than actual words. And when I came out of that experience, I came back into my apartment and my pulse was very low. I called a friend. We went to the hospital. They hooked me up to some machines. I mean, they could see my heart was very um, weak and my heart rate was very low, but they could not figure out what was wrong with me. So they just kept me on the machines. And then by the next day I was better. So they just called it a virus, (laughs) put the stamp on the discharge papers and got me out of the hospital. But then when I came home, um, I was very sensitized to sound like I could hear everything. And I was just like, I was just shell shocked. And I started just having a knowing about things that were completely out of my conscious awareness. Nothing. I would never heard of healing. I don't even know what that is. I mean, I was just a salesperson, you know, I started knowing I could like put a hand here. I could start running energy through my hands. And I, I don't know, this went on for a while. Finally, the family decided they wanted me to come back to home, which at this point is in uh, the Texas area and the Dallas area. So I came home, but I could not work. I couldn't go get a real job because I was too out of it. So I decided eventually, you know, not too long because I I can't just sit around doing nothing. So I started going back to school. I started taking healing classes and then I found this kind of metaphysical path to study. I was going to go get a psychology degree and I was enrolled in a bunch of psychology classes, but I, I took a statistics class. They make you take statistics. And I was like, I'm sorry, but uh, the things that I've seen, they can't be measured in a laboratory. We can't put a a numerical quantitative analysis onto the things that I've experienced here. There's just no way. And so um, I was introduced to this other school and I just decided to go there mainly because I needed something. I needed to read books that are different than things that I'd ever learned. I needed to try to figure out what the heck was happening with me. And then I just really wanted to do past life regressions very early on. So I wrote the book. I met Raymond. I met Dr. Weiss. It was great. And then I was really called for several years to go into um, the energy healing. I developed several healing modalities kind of based on the information that I got in that strange situation. And then a lot of my books on gem and mineral healing were very, very popular. And so I kind of let the past life stuff go for a while. And something just said, you know, I'll come back around to this later. And so I decided I'd just put up a website called Past Life Lady. And then everybody would realize this is what I really wanted to do. You know, I just kind of went off on this other tangent for a while. So I'm really happy to kind of be full circle with that and kind of be back into this. But all of these different things that I've explored, they really all play into that same message that I received long ago, which is that we have to address, we can't just address the physical person. We can't just sit around talking about stuff all the time. We also have to 
We need that. We need the physical. We need talking. Yes, it's good. But we also have to address that there's an energetic part of ourselves. And if we can do all three of these in a more holistic and integrative approach to even thinking about our own selves, you know, that we really are energetic beings. We're souls. We're spirits. We can't just sit around, you know, talking or taking medicine all the time. It just isn't going to work. We need to think of our whole selves And so I've pretty much been very consistent about that through the years and the things that I've explored. So it's been uh, quite a journey (laughs) so far, Um, and I'll continue to be doing this forever, I guess, at this point, or as long as this, in this current incarnation anyway. That is so cool. (laughs) That is so cool. I just, I could listen to you all day talk about these things. Um, What I want to know is, Based on everything you've said and everything else that I've read, I've been dying to ask this question to somebody and you seem like the right person. So in this lifetime, and especially these days, there's a lot of emphasis on things like trauma-informed helping modalities, childhood trauma, and these things like that. And I've always felt intuitively as though that really just doesn't fit the mark because yes, you have things that you've encountered in this lifetime that perhaps you haven't dealt with, but what about all the other stuff that kind of created that in the first place? That's from other lifetimes. I feel like there's so much stuff that is buried in this human DNA of the collective that we haven't dealt with. And that's the reason why we have the childhood traumas that we do in the first place. What's your take on that? Um, I definitely agree. Um, I think I've, my publisher now is Llewellyn and the first book I did for them was they wanted it to be focused on how we're going to resolve anxiety and depression and trauma through past lives and stuff like that. Um, because I, I do think that, you know, a lot of things do happen to us in this life. There is a lot of, of challenge, Um, but yes, I, I, gosh, there's so much to say about this. I can't even get it all out. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that some of the influences that we are experiencing in our current life are carryovers from past lives. One of the things I talked about in this early book live stream was that when I was a baby, I was fine. And then my parents took me home and then I got very ill. I wasn't expected to live. And so in that book, I explored this idea of myism, which is when you're born with something that you've just carried right in when you're, you just incarnated. And I went into this past life situation where I had seen myself kind of being an alcoholic and living in the sixties. And, you know, I had passed away of, you know, consumption or something like that. And then in this life, there was nothing wrong with me again, but then they said my kidneys were failing all of a sudden. And then when my grandmother died, then suddenly this got rectified. So there are cases of people such as myself who come in again. Now, do I have proof for any of this? Of course not, but on a spiritual level and in the, you know, there's more than what we can prove in a lab as I've already said. So my understanding is there are many people who are bringing things in straight from other lifetimes 
And so I started to also, whenever I would travel places, I started to have a lot of really weird things happen. So I wrote another book called Blast from the Past that came out last December, where I'm talking about a phenomenon I call subretrovy, which is a spontaneously induced past life memory. That's the term I use to describe it. And this could be brought on by... I traveled to a new place. Now a memory is running in my mind, like something that happened to me when I went to Egypt, or maybe I meet a familiar person. You know, we all meet somebody and we look certain people in the eye and we think, Oh my God, my best friend's here. Or we go, OMG, let me get out of here. I need to run away from this person immediately. And they haven't even said anything yet. You know, we have these connections and that this can also be brought on by holding gemstones that come from different parts of the world. So I kind of bring a lot of these things in. And so I do believe that some of the problems that we're dealing with, even though we're not consciously aware of it, is definitely caused by our past lives. Absolutely. But then the other piece that I have really more recently started to realize exactly how important this is that speaks to something you said a minute ago. Um, I wrote another book called heal your ancestors to heal your life. And it's about a process that I also developed back in the early two thousands called genealogical regression, where instead of guiding you into a past life of your, where you're looking at your eyes going, okay, I'm living in the middle ages or whatever. We're going to guide you out to a place where you're going to go out and you're going to actually remote view kind of on things that happened to your ancestors and you're going to be able to send them healing because in the United States, the centers for disease control and the national institutes of health have actually studied this legit, you know, scientific evidence that part of the way we're coming through in our personalities or even in our influences are directly brought through our DNA. And so there's more people now, I, I taught a very, very long course about this with the shift network. And a lot of those people and people I'm who are reaching out to me after reading this book are saying, wow, you know, this sounds weird, but I feel like I've come into this lifetime so that I can clear karma for my ancestors. And so they're here to embody some of these traumas and stuff that they're actually carrying through their lineage and stuff. So, so by acknowledging ancestors and trying to heal ourselves, we really, again, it's, it's probably being closer, you know, to something that's has legitimate scientific evidence to back it up than all of my work in past lives does. But it just speaks to the fact that what you're saying is exactly correct. I mean, there's a lot more to it. Um, it's a very complicated thing. And just when we think we're getting to the bottom of something that we thought happened to us and we feel better about it, we still, I feel like we really are here to help, you know, heal it, when we can heal ourselves, we really are healing all time. And that would include all of our own past lives as well as our ancestors. And the more of us who are more consciously open to, attempting to bring greater peace into this body, into this experience, then that just ripples out and it really can start to make, um, you know, huge impacts on everybody in the world. As we move forward, even into the future to these future generations, we can send blessings to them as well. I mean, it's just amazing. So it's a great point And I'm glad you, <laughs> I have so much to say about it. I mean, <laughs> the bottom line is the cliff's notes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it happened. I love it. This is your show. You can talk as much as you want. Um, 
I feel like you're the kind of person I just call you up and be like, hey, Shelly, I just thought of this thing. And we could talk for like three, four hours about it easily. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I love to get into this stuff. It's just, it is, we need to have these conversations because this is how we're starting to change our consciousness and just be open to, you know, what if, right? I don't have, at first I used to tell people when I started genealogical regression, well, does it work? Well, I don't have any proof of it, but guess what? Now some big institutes in the United States definitely are starting to prove this stuff. It's incredible. And when you say genealogical past life regression, is that similar to the family constellations theory? Those practitioners have really um, embraced my technique, but it isn't anything like it. And I'll tell you the difference. The constellation therapy, which is very amazing. It's very popular. Um, I think it began in Germany. And so what it involves is, if we were all in a group, let's say you and I were there and some other friends and we're all gathered around in a circle. And so we're going to help me. Let's say you're going to pretend like you're one of my ancestors and everybody else is going to act like different ancestors. So we can have a a verbal dialogue through kind of some dramatic reenactments of things and heal. Um, I I don't want to say it it reminds me of almost like a theatrical, like we're going to, we're just going to go ahead and, theatrically kind of have this little dialogue and it's very, very profound and very helpful. The difference between that and what genealogical regression is, is that in the genealogical regression, we don't have anyone else with us. We're just going through a guided imagery process that I've developed where we're going to just float over there and we're going to go talk to those ancestors directly, but inside the theater that's inside our head and our minds. And so we don't need the exterior people. And so, I I don't know, I think both of them can be very helpful depending on what people need. I I just think the less infrastructure, then maybe it's less complicated just to take this guided journey. And what we're doing is just, we're floating down over events. Let's say normally, obviously, um, if they need healing, it's not gonna be a happy thing. It could be an illness. It might be people see themselves on the battlefield, like they'll be floating over something, they'll see a battle and I'll say, well, who's there? And they said, and just out of the blue, they'll go, oh my gosh, this is that guy down there. That's my five times great grandfather down there. Okay, great. Let's send light to him and let's send light to everyone on that battlefield. So we're going directly into the holographic events that happened in the past that are just as real as what you and I are doing right now, right? Because there is no such thing as time. This is all illusory. And so we can project our consciousness back into these events, send love, send light. And so if we're on, let's say we're on a battlefield. Okay. We're just using that as the example. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're not going to get up and turn a cartwheel and start jumping for joy afterwards. Cause I mean, it's a battle. There's only so good it's going to get, but we'll send light there. Almost like we're all just, you know, myself, the person, and then they enlist their angels and guides. We're all just sending this light onto these events okay, let's just sit here for a while. And then until it starts feeling lighter or brighter than it did before, can we make a millimeter of progress? You know, can we go from I'm bawling my head off to I'm feeling calmer now, you know, these little pockets of peace that we're creating, then we start to have the person like they're, let's say they're with their mother or father, whichever ancestor and ancestral line we're working with. We work with the maternal line and the paternal line, mother and father's family line, right? Going into a space where we talk to the higher self of your parents and say, Hey, mom and dad, 
does anybody need a healing today? This is kind of how the technique started. And, and mom goes, my family needs a healing. Okay, great, mom, let's go. You know, we're using the theater of our mind again, even to talk to our own parents. So we're not addressing the human being who is flawed, who's trying to buy the groceries. We're talking to them at a soul level which is really the more we could address each other in this world at a soul level, the better we would be because we're all beautiful beings, you know? So we address them at that level. We take, let's say we're going down mom's line. We see the battle. Okay. Let's just ask the person, let me know when this feels better. And they go, it feels a little bit better. Great. Let's experience noticing our mother's energy, just get a little bit lighter. And then let's start feeling the sensations of lightness that are now going to eventually come into our own body because this is being carried forward through all the ancestors, through the parents, into our own selves. It can go, you know, whatever we want to call this vertically or whatever, horizontally out to our cousins or grandparents who are alive right now. We can even imagine that we could send the same light out to the future ancestors because we've made just a little progress in peeling off those layers of heaviness. And yet we're doing it all inside here. So we don't need to get together on Saturday afternoon for a few hours. Although again, the constellations, um, is incredibly powerful for people as well. And I think all of this kind of work, um, whichever that people, you know, resonate with any kind of healing that people are willing to do on this aspect with the ancestors. And even with the past life stuff, just coming to terms with the fact I am having a bad influence. Guess what? It happened from the middle ages. Okay, great. Let's acknowledge it. Let's try to let it go. Any of this that we're trying to consciously do is going to make everyone on this planet, um, better for it. Mm. You know, that's why this is called the boundless authenticity podcast. And the tagline is everything related to the evolution of human consciousness, because there's so much stuff that we need to do. And we need to, like you said, have more conversations about this kinds of stuff. Absolutely. And, um, before we get too carried away on the past life stuff, <laughs> the episode is about your book, Journeys Through the Akashic Records. So how did you get involved with working in the Akashic Records? Well, this is really, um, this is the latest book that I have that came out. But what it really means to me is, again, it goes back to what we've already discussed when I went into that strange light, I came back with some kind of knowledge I did not have before. And so for the last 20 plus years, when I was working with clients, what I was finding is that let's say you want to come and have a past life regression, but you're telling me things that's causing me to realize, wait a minute, before we can ever even begin to go into a past life, we are going to, that's how, again, the genealogical regression process came. I, I feel like, okay, well, we need to talk to your parents first, or maybe there's some kind of healing in the current life between, you know, it, not you personally, but you know, everybody has relationship problems in this life. Let's face it. You know, we all do. It is what it is. So maybe it's even a current life situation. We're going to go do some healing on that first before we ever even attempt to go into these past lives. And so um, over the course of 20 years, I have developed so many different processes to take people into this space, which I really 
in my inner mind, I started calling it the mind stream many years ago in my inner mind, but not out loud to anyone. And then of course I realized later that that really is a concept in Buddhism that, you know, that's just recognizing the fact that the same thing you and I've been talking about this whole time, that consciousness is existing. Time is not linear in the way that we're seeing it. And so we can, if we have, again, the proper steps that we're going to take to go into guided imagery, into creating a safe space, working with loving, helpful beings of light or angels or guides or however people perceive that, and then opening the right door, asking the right questions, then we can open the doorways and start getting the answers to the questions that we have about our soul, about why we're here, about the people that are our soul you know, mates. And I don't mean that in a, maybe there are loves, I guess, but they could be just people that we have chosen to come here with at this time. What is my purpose? Why am I here? You know, all the big questions of life. We have these answers inside of our souls. We are unlimited beings, but yet we are, you know, dumb. I don't want to say we're dumbing it down here on the earth plane. You know, we're trying, we don't have all the access all the time to the vast nature of who we actually are. And so in the book, I've, for the first time I have published all of these different kinds of journeys. I mean, everything from, um, again, getting in touch with our soulmates, doing some protective work, going to, into spaces in nature, getting communication with loving angels and beings of light who are here to look out for us and just everything. Of course, past lives, future memories and everything in between. So the book is just filled with guided journeys that because I really still believe, I guess, you know, all my books have guided imagery in them. I'm giving this to people because I really feel like people have the capabilities and everyone can have these answers come to themselves. And I feel like that's just so much more empowering than, you know, asking an intuitive. I mean, I, of course, we've all had a good psychic reading once in a while. I get it. I like them too. But when we come to the answers within ourselves, there's just something very empowering about that. And so I, I think one of the themes of my work is just to try to help people empower themselves by giving them the tools that they're need, needing to, to do all that. And so that's what the book is really about to me. I love that. I mean, self-knowledge is the best knowledge. It is the highest form. And I see so many people going about their day and, and they're in pain. And the reason why they're in pain is because they're living the lies of society's projections and they're not listening to that self-knowledge. They have no clue anymore how to tap into that. And that's maybe one of the, the strangest things about being a, a human, that, that forgetting that happens where as soon as we leave our childhood, this thing happens where we no longer know how to play in that field and, and have access to this higher wisdom. And so um, what is your definition of the Akashic Records? And because I know we're going to talk about this for a long time. How simple is it to access the Akashic Records? Yes. Very good questions. Um, I do want to acknowledge your comment about playing. Yes. Um, we have to start playing again. I think you're exactly right about that. We need to start remembering who we were when we were little kids and we were playing and, you know, our little toys were talking to us and stuff. And then somebody said, Hey, come on, you're an adult now. No, no, we need to go back to that place. So you're exactly right about that. And along those lines. So the Akashic records, like, I think that people like that's a real buzzword right now. 
you know, we talked about trauma being a buzzword. Maybe this is also kind of a buzzword. The Akashic Records, I think that we, again, have to put it into some form that we can get our linear third dimensional minds wrapped around, but this is not like a place. I, I, I do have journeys in the book though, where we, we can go into the place if we want it to look like a library or we want it to look like a computer lab or a place with some filing cabinets in it. But that's really how we are perceiving that so that we can get our minds wrapped around something that has no form that is completely expansive, totally multidimensional. And it's beyond anything that we can ever you know, get our minds around because it's this, it's the field. It's the unified field where all thoughts, all things that from the past, from this current present, and then all the possible futures are just floating out here in the realm of possibility. And so we can tap into things of the past. Um, we can move, you know, into different spaces within this realm. And I do think that everybody can access this. I think, you know, again, we have, Historically, I, I guess, you know, the whole world, since especially since I've grown up, has totally changed because the internet, you know, everything's out on the internet now. But back in the day, some of these things were hidden and secret and, ooh, this is scary. But now that everything's kind of coming out, you know, some people even think the internet with all the material we have on it is a version of the human Akashic Records in physical form. Because we have, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole and just start researching all kinds of stuff. It's, things are not really a secret anymore. Now, it's just a more of, of the fact that we're overwhelmed with information, but the information is there. And so, you know, I truly believe that if people have the right strategy about how we're going to go in there, it's like, it would be like walking into a warehouse that's unlimited in size, you know, every, it's all there. But if you don't know that it's back there in the corner on the third shelf from the bottom, then you're not going to find it. And so in the book, I'm trying to really just give people a, a process to which they can go in there and find these answers, because I do believe this is not some weird mystical process that's reserved for the few. I think everybody can access their own intuitive wisdom within themselves. Absolutely. Hmm. Now I don't want my listeners to panic because they know once I start talking about the subconscious mind to go off on a tangent, but I'm just going to ask a question. <laughs> is the Akashic I'm Records, I'm a tangent. I love it. Yeah. Is the Akashic Records, as they call it, just another faculty of the subconscious? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Like that gets into this whole thing. When people even have near death experiences, they say, okay, well, is that really are they really out there or is this some chemical in the brain? You know, we could say the same thing. Are we, are we really able to go out into space or wherever we think this thing is, or is it just all through our minds? That's a good question that I really, I don't have the answer to. I, I guess I still believe, I don't know. I just, I believe we can, you know, especially through deep meditation and things like that, that we can go into a space that allows us to tap into that outer world. But again, that's, that's, the subconscious, it would be the vehicle to get us there. But are we actually floating around out there? That's a good question. Right. Well, that's why I asked you that, because I know that when you close your eyes, you have access to the subconscious thoughts in the process. And you can go as far back as you want if you're willing to, to spend the time learning how to do that. Right. Right. So I was just curious as to if something like that would be possible. And uh, having asked that question, then what are some ways that we can access these so-called records the process that i've always taken um people on that's outlined in this book would be 
you know, we've got to hopefully find a nurturing space where we're going to begin to do our work. You know, I teach a lot of energy healing as well. And I think people need to, if you're going to do spiritual work, just find a place that you feel comfortable. Hopefully you're not going to be disturbed. So you have two possibilities in terms of you're needing to create the space in the exterior world, which means the place that you're physically sitting here so that you can feel as comfortable as you can. And then you're going to go into, again, the theater that's inside the mind. We're going to create a relaxation process. We're going to bring light from head to feet, create a protective barrier. And then we're going to walk into a safe place that is something that I've taken all my clients on for years and years to create kind of a doorway in our mind where we go, where we can feel very nurtured, very supported, very safe. And so we start out by creating that space very firmly in the mind. And then we build from there. We start meeting with um, guides or beings of love and light. I just personally believe that we do have loving energies that are guiding us from some other realm. You know, as I've been doing this for so long now, I've started to think, I think everybody out there, all of your viewers and listeners, we've all, I think we have all had this experience where you're just really down or something sometimes. And then you suddenly just feel something that's comforting you. And it's just coming out of nowhere. You feel this sense of comfort and you go, wow, I feel better now. I don't know why. Cause I, maybe I was really down. And it, when I mentioned earlier about like how we send that light to those ancestors, we're traveling in the past and sending light to them. Many years ago, it had come to my awareness that, I, I was writing a book about parallel universes back in 2005 and it just, I just asked the question, could it be that some future version of ourselves has traveled into this space to comfort us or to give us that, Hey, no, make a right, make a right. And then we go, Oh, wow. Thank God I did that. I just missed an accident or something, you know, something's warning us or something's loving us when we're feeling really down. You know, what if that is a future version of ourselves? Who knows? You know, we don't know for sure, but certainly it's possible. Or, you know, are there loving beings like our, my grandmother, for example, of course, a lot of people around the world believe that ancestors are helping them and that they can be helpful. So whatever that helpful energy is, connecting with that in a very meaningful way, just in a way that is deeper. Um, not just, I'm going to see you and then I'm never going to see you again, but let's try to get to know this loving energy as something or someone who knows everything about your soul, who's been with your soul since the beginning of time, establishing that energy as something that actually knows you better than you know yourself. Um, most of my clients back in the old days were always enlisting the help of a guardian angel, a typical, again, I'm in the United States. So a typical, probably Western view of maybe an archangel like Archangel Michael, or maybe a, just an angel with wings or something like that. Now, these days I hear more that people are connecting with like a being of light, a loving energy. But one reason why I like that, and I've always again, really through experience have found that it's so helpful is because when you're going on the journey, of course I'm there, but you know, again, when readers are reading books, when they have someone who has your back, someone who knows you, who's going to take care of you, who's going with you on this journey. And then also the way different people access intuitive information, either through, you know, pictures in our mind, like we're seeing a little movie in our mind, um, I was never one who could see things very well. I was more of a feeling. I need to have a gut 
feeling about it. So sometimes maybe also the, this guide or being can answer our questions. And so between pictures, thoughts, feelings, and having questions answered by this, this loving presence that's outside of ourselves, people have a lot more success in getting these answers because we can't put ourselves all in a box. Not everybody is very visual. Um, some people don't have gut feelings, but they could hear someone telling them the questions, answers to questions and things like that. So it helps them feel safe in their space. There was someone who loves them and knows them. And now they're going to have answers revealed. And then what we do is then just start going through the different doorways and behind each door lies um, constructs that will help us find the answers to the questions that we're asking. And then that's when it gets into what I mentioned earlier. We just have to know what is it that we want to know. And then let's go into the space to try to find the answer to those questions. So what you're telling me is that anyone can do this. Anyone can do this. It's not beyond anyone's reach whatsoever. Anyone can do this. It is definitely not beyond anyone's reach. People mm. can do this. Yes. And they can do this by simply following the book. Mm. And it's, I guess what you're saying, it's very essential that you find yourself in a quiet space that you can settle in and there's no distractions. So, I can't do it with my chickens crowing or anything like that. <laughs> Actually, you know, I mean, we all have distractions. Like even since we've been on this, I've heard people outside, you know, somebody's mowing their grass or something, you know, yeah. And maybe chickens are going around, whatever. The more you get into that meditative state, then the more, you know, as you know, we just start to say, well, guess what? It's happening. We can still be in this state no matter what's going on around us. So some people that's very hard. And I think the more that, as you know, the more you meditate and do that, then you just don't worry about it anymore. So how does the Akashic records relate to things like the living soul hypothesis, you know, that we come here with things we've chosen to experience and you know, groups of people that we've chosen to incarnate with. How does that tie into that? Um, I think that we have definitely made plans before we arrived. I think there's some things up for grabs, but I definitely think that before we arrived, uh, we decided like what we wanted to learn, who we were coming here to be with. And then when you think about what we discussed earlier about ancestors, you know, I, I do believe we choose the families that we are in and everyone out there. And you know who you are because I'm right there with you. We love our family, but sometimes let's face it. They are very challenging people. They know how to push our buttons and yet we love them anyway. And so sometimes, you know, that really challenging stuff that we're dealing with um, means these are souls that really get it and they've come here to help us get our lessons and things. So I do think there's something to that. And one of the journeys in the book is called Before You Arrived. Um, it's another process I developed where we go back right to the moments before we decided to pop in here into this incarnation and we go meet with this, um, however people perceive that this aspect of the creator who knows all things. And we say, okay. And they say, okay, great. What do you want to learn this time? Or, or get our assignment and let's move on. And so you find some answers there about the things that you experienced. And so sometimes then you, I think when you do this and it, you know, we've all had hard times. There's nobody who escapes 
you know, difficulties in life. And so sometimes it's just about your attitude, like how you feel about those things. When you're going through it, it's very difficult. On the other side of some things, you can look back and say, wow, you know, I really learned a lot there. And so I think when you get into this energy of maybe some things are planned, um, for me, I, it may not be a philosophy that other people like, but it's helped me to say, okay, I have had hard times, but I've learned from them and, you know, things happen for a reason and I'm just going to have to open my hands and accept it and move on and try to be as positive as I can as I move on into the, into the future. I think that if you are the kind of person that you're, oh, there he goes. My chicken wants to know the same thing. I heard it earlier. That's so cool. I've got a cat down here, so um, hopefully he won't jump in my lap. <laughs> oh, that's my buddy, Chickpea. He's my favorite. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, what I was going to say is that I think that for people who've done the self-reflection enough to ponder whether everything is planned or not, we can say that for a certainty, some things must be predetermined. And we can also say that in that light, even if you don't believe it, could you just put yourself in the position to think positively and think that, okay, well, I may not know what's going to happen tomorrow, but if everything is planned, I'm sure that everything is planned so that it works out in my favor. I think a lot of people tend to look at it from a negative light, including myself sometimes. It's like, man, did I really choose this? You know, and it's like... I know. In the moment, you get frustrated and you're like, oh, my God, why did I, why did I sign up for this? You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that blinds us from higher spiritual knowledge sometimes, from getting it, so to speak. I think, you know, a lot of times people will ask me, they'll, they'll name like one of the most horrible things that could ever happen to every, anyone. And they'll say, well, why does that happen? You know, I don't claim to know the mind of the creator or God, whatever you want to call that. So I don't know the answers to that. You know, I think that all of us are doing the best we can to try to make sense of something that is beyond our actual human comprehension. Because yeah, sometimes you're thinking, why would this happen? You know, how could this possibly happen? I mean, everyone has really, really bad things that happen. And so I think it gets into what you mentioned. I mean, we can either choose to focus on those things or I've just had to, in my own way, through my own eclectic belief system, I, it's helped me just to say, you know what, this happened, but I'm just going to, I'm going to look forward. I'm just going to move forward. I'm going to try to see what I learned from that so that, you know, I mean, it, even if we learn nothing more than just how to be more empathetic and compassionate towards others when they're going through hard times, that's a good thing to learn, you know, because maybe we've been through some things ourselves. I mean, and then just kind of move on because I, I still think, you know, tomorrow is still a wonderful day. It's still possible that tomorrow is going to be fantastic. And I don't want to hang on to that stuff. I just want to move forward. I agree with you. I mean, I get this question a lot when I'm talking to people and they're like, well, why is it that children in Africa are starving? Yes. Like, why would they choose to suffer? And I said, well, you know, if you're focusing on it in that light and it looks like suffering to you, what are you doing with your consciousness? Not necessarily your actions, because maybe you can't afford to feed them all. What, it, what are you doing with your consciousness about that? The way that you're thinking about it 
isn't helping the situation either. So how can you contribute mentally with your thinking to change the situation? What can you heal inside yourself? And it seems to be beyond quite a few people at this time. And some people get it, you know? Yeah, I don't think we can, you know, because we can't understand those kinds of things. Because it is, like you said, we would want to help everyone. And yet the reality of it is we can't help them all. And so why does that, why is a higher power allowing these things to happen? I mean, it's a great question and we don't understand it. And even when I'm sitting here saying, okay, I believe in past lives, you know, the more I exist here, the more I'm still saying, you know what, I bet it's not even like this. It's probably something else. You know, this is, we're trying to make sense of something that is this big. We only have this much information on right now. And we won't really know until we get there. I don't know why those things happen. Um, but I still choose to focus on the fact that, yes, something horrible happened. Cry. It's horrible. Fine. Tomorrow's another day. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. And the earth needs us to send healing. It, it really does need us to, rather than panic about things, it needs us to see that as an opportunity to add love somewhere rather than more fear because that's just what's creating the problems you know um, absolutely yeah there's no sense of panicking you yeah. know first of all you know why panic we are infinite beings you know we are souls there is no destruction of the soul we're going to move on that's the way i think yeah, you know i think people like us think that way and then there's still a lot who are trying to understand they're, they're doing their best to understand they're just not there yet and it's still very frightening everything that happens is like oh my god i'm gonna die or something terrible is happening on the planet we're all gonna die and i i think that that is the number one thing that creates more problems than anything else we have to we have to do the work and focus on becoming solution focused beings rather than fear-based creatures. <laughs> exactly. I think the pandemic really turned the volume up on that as well. Um, I just, I remember thinking to myself, thank you, God, that I have already hit rock bottom earlier in my life. <laughs> because if, what if you've never, you know, if you're much younger than I am, which a lot of people are at this point, but, um, you know, they haven't had that life experience. And I just, my it, that's what I'm talking about. Compassion. I thought, Oh my God, my heart just goes out to people who are truly suffering through this. But on, for me, I just really, I said, Oh, I don't have to go anywhere. I guess I'm going to have to start writing some books or something. I didn't think it was that big, big of a deal to myself, but for other people it was horrible, you know? Yeah, I totally get that. For me, it was like, well, what am I going to do with all this free time? Guess I'll just write some music and, you know, and, yeah, it worked out great. <laughs> but a lot of people didn't go that route. A lot of people went immediately into the narratives and the drama and all of that. And they're still suffering as a result of that. And it's kind of this is actually leading to another question. Do you think that there's one massive soul group that has incarnated at this time to experience this particular phenomenon? Like it was predetermined or do you think we're all kind of here for the healing of the planet? And this is just a variable that popped out because the powers that shouldn't be decided. Yeah, you know, here's what we're good. Here's what we're doing. 
this year <laughs> something like that do you think what do you think I think there's a lot of things going on, um, even on a more three-dimensional level. I don't, I guess I wasn't paying attention in history class because I really didn't know that the truth is scientifically there is a pandemic that happens once every hundred years anyway, but you have to think about a hundred years ago, you know, we were, we didn't have this technology. We weren't flying around the world. We didn't have all this connection. So what would have maybe been isolated to a geographic area then easily got spread around the world pretty fast. That's never happened in human history before in this way. So I think on a scientific level, we could explain it. Um, I definitely do think there are so there's larger soul groups. I do believe that we choose when we're coming and what we're experiencing. Um, I had have to say that I, I must say, um, I didn't see this one coming. <laughs> I had no idea. I was like, wow. When I wasn't initially, I was just like everyone else. So, I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You know, oh, this is horrible. And then I thought, wait a minute, let's turn this frustration and terror into fascination. I mean, this is really interesting to be able to live through something like this. I mean, in a way, I mean, it's horrible, but yet it's also a very, very interesting time to be alive. And I, I just have to believe that, yeah, I think everybody is here at this time for a reason, definitely. Yeah, I see it as being one of the best times to be alive. Things might be a little bit screwy, but hey, that's just the way it goes. <laughs> you never yeah, know. I just want to see how this is going to turn out, you know? Yeah, you, you never really know what's what's going to happen. And you got to be willing to take the bull by the horn, so to speak. So I just thought that was an interesting question because I know we do um, travel in groups and we do have certain groups of people that incarnate all together. And I think this is one of the questions I really had for you that I've been curious about for years now. When you see someone on the street, maybe, and there's just a knowing that you know this person, but they're just, you know, maybe you're walking down Times Square or something, and it's a full street, and you see someone across the road, and you're like, I feel like I know that person. How many missed connections, or rather past life connections, do we have that we just leave them unacknowledged or, you know, that kind of thing? Gosh, what a great question. You know, earlier in my life, let's say before I started doing what I do now, you do meet people and I would get in some cases, I would think to myself, Hmm, something's warning me here. And then I wouldn't heed the warnings. <laughs> so I think, I think there is some aspect to being conscious enough to say blessings. I'm not going to engage or, and then knowing the difference between whether or not we should just bless someone and not engage or whether we need to make that connection because there's a healing that needs to take place there and then just be ready for that. So I think there's some fine line there between both. We're missing connections and yet some connections that we made that maybe weren't the best, maybe we should have just sent them love and blessings and not engaged and created more karma for ourselves, if you know what I mean. I definitely get that. <laughs> I've actually had the experience of uh, meeting and dating someone that I knew them in a past life. I just didn't know it. And the things that she did kind of made me stop and be like, this feels very familiar. 
And even moments we'd be sitting on the couch and just talking and it's like, if we, I feel like we've done this before. And she'd be like, yeah, it really does feel like we've done this before. This is very strange. And so I went through some of uh, the Brian Weiss uh, meditations and stuff. And I realized that I knew her from a different time. It was like the Victorian era or something like that. Wow. Uh, yeah. And it helped me get over the situation. So that was very helpful. And um, when you were talking about the Mayism, I wanted to tell you that I definitely know all about that because uh, maybe about seven years ago, I did a regression with Steve G. Jones. And mm. I went into this place that it didn't even seem like it was this planet, but I was some kind of a military type person and I could um, command these beings to do certain things like they would attack the small village that we lived in and I could just stop them, like put my hand out and, you know, send beams of something to them. That's, that's this is the best of my understanding. And what I would do is I would walk around the, the perimeter of the village at night to make sure everything was secure, but I liked to goof off. So I would climb up the side of this building to a window and talk to one of the, the handmaidens, I think she was a servant to the, I guess the ruler of the village. And we would talk about different things and spend most of the night just yapping away. And then one night when he, when he took me to where I died, um, what happened was the entire village was engulfed in flames and there was an attack on the village and I ran out to try to help people and get them out of the way and stuff like that. And as I did that, I saw the building with the girl get engulfed in flames. I started calling her name. So I was saying cat, cat, that, cause that was her name. And, um, I wasn't looking and one of the beings slashed me across the face and I just kind of spiraled and fell into a pit of quicksand and wow. why that's profound is because I was born in this lifetime with bad asthma. So look at how I died. And struggling to call her name, because I kept saying cat, I could see that all that was happening as I died. I was born with asthma, and my first word was cat. And my parents couldn't figure out why. You know, they'd be like, say daddy, and I'd be like, cat. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm a believer, so it is crazy though, but it's not crazy. <laughs> no, it's it's in Dang, that's thing. wild. Yeah. So when is. you did the healing, has your asthma gotten better, or you don't Completely have asthma at all? Completely disappeared. Yeah, that's kind of like what happened to me. It disappeared. Isn't that weird? I did. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great for you too. That's so interesting. That's a good one. Yeah. So. You know, do you have any other stories that are your favorites that you can recall or should we all just my very well? favorite? Yeah, I do have one. Um, well, a couple, you know, I mean, you don't always get a real miraculous healing. Maybe people feel a little bit better, but there was a man, um, I met many years ago who came to see me because he was afraid of the dark. So when he would go home after work and go to his house, he'd have to leave all the lights on all night because he was terrorized of the dark. And he said, this is getting ridiculous. Um, I just can't turn these lights off. And so we took him on a past life regression 
And he went to a life like around the 1700s in middle America here, like in a farm ranchy kind of place. He was told by his parents, do not go downstairs into the basement. It was this old farmhouse. And so, of course, the little kid said, well, come on, I'm going to go into the basement. So he went down there and he fell down the steps and died. And so in the regression, I thought, okay, so how are we going to reshape his reality? So I took him on the regression. We went into the house and I said, let's imagine, because they didn't have electricity back then. Let's imagine we light a candle and you're going to just very carefully go down the steps into the basement and just walk around and see what's there. Because, you know, you're curious. Okay. And he went down. He was like looking around. Well, this really isn't very interesting. Um, certainly wasn't worth dying over. <laughs> and then he came back up, blew the candle out. And so, you know, he said, wow, I feel so much better after the regression. And I said, great. But th the thing is, you never know, right? So several years passed, two or three years, and I saw him out at another expo. And he goes, do you know, from that day on, I never, I was just not, I was just over it. I was able to turn the lights out. I'm having a better life now. And so I thought that was really a good one that kind of shows again how these influences from the past are not only as what happened to you, they're affecting your physical health, but they could be affecting your idiosyncrasies and fears that are irrational, you know, phobias and things like that can definitely be very greatly assisted, uh, of course, with regressions. It's kind of like when little kids are afraid of dogs or something like that, and you can't figure out why on earth they're jumping out of their skin over a dog, you know? So it makes definitely. You wonder, makes you wonder, wow, that's definitely some kind of a past life something going on there. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So. Okay. So not to keep you for very much longer, I will ask you, maybe two more questions and okay. I really want you to explain without giving it all away of course some of the exercises in your book journey to the Akashic Records and what you know how that all works what it does for people yeah um let me see there's there's like 50 exercises in the book so I mentioned, I kind of alluded to briefly earlier. So we start out by connecting with the light, drawing light from head to feet, establishing that connection. Then it goes on to further exercises. We're starting to establish lights around us. We're walking into that safe space and then there's different doorways. And so there's, um, I mentioned earlier one where we go into a library, we select a book, we're able to read about our soul history. Another one of my favorites is the journey under the paw of the Sphinx. Um, because there's one theory I, I've written these books about, um, Edgar Casey, who some people may have heard of, who was a very famous psychic who lived in the early 20th century. And he believed when he went into a trance, he told everybody that they were going to find this big hall of records under the right paw of the Sphinx in Giza. So in this journey, we're going to just imagine ourselves traveling and going down this, this tunnel down under the Sphinx paw and where you'll go into this hall of records and you'll be able to pull out information about your soul. And then we have, um, of course, before we arrived where we're going to go meet with our creator, we have ones where we go in and we talk to individuals who we chose to come into this lifetime with. And we say, hey, why are we here together? Let's figure out what our lessons are together. 
Um, we also have psychic protection exercises where I'm going to show people how to like strengthen the fields around you so that you can show up in the world more peacefully. Um, lots of past life regressions and then journeys out into the future where we can see ourselves happy and healthy. And another one called, um, I call it fork in the road where let's say you have a decision to make. You don't know whether to stay where you are or move over somewhere else or whatever the decision is. You can actually go up into the future and watch the two possibilities break off as options and go visit those options so that you can make an informed decision about the future thing that you're getting ready to decide. And you can see what would happen in each of those realities. So just a lot of different kinds of things to do. That answer was perfect because I want everybody to go read this book. I am not kidding. I read about 50 pages in a row. I just sitting there like, whoa, <laughs> I was so excited once I started reading it and I just cannot wait to read your other books as well. And I actually heard of, of you originally. I stumbled onto something with George Nuri. Yes. And I was like, okay, if George is talking to her, she's got to be legit. So let me check this out. <laughs> and I've been fascinated ever since with the things that you say, because there's a lot of people out there doing this work, but I find the resonance isn't there for me. So it's not against them. It's, it's me. And I just feel like you understand this in, in such a way that you, when you speak on it, it's easy for people to digest. So I just wanted to thank you for doing this work. It's fantastic. And I hope that a lot of people will get your book and that they will get a lot of healing from this. Thank you so much. I thank you for inviting me and I thank you for the work you're doing. I mean, like I said, having these conversations, it's important and we need to be having more of them. Yeah, we do. My final question is why, why do people think that they're Jesus or Cleopatra or Buddha or something else when they get, <laughs> when they're doing the past life thing? Why? Why do they do this? Oh my gosh. Wow. You're really hitting a good one here. Um, in my first book live stream, I actually have a chapter called famous people because I'm like you, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Um, I do live in the Dallas, Texas area. I mentioned this earlier and I was talking about that. I had regressed just during this period of time in my earliest career, six Cleopatra's just in the Dallas, Texas area alone. And so I was asking the question that you're asking, hello, how is that possible? And so then it gets into this thing that we can talk about, right? Is this legit or not? I've already said, I honestly, I'm telling you, I'm not God. I don't know the mind of God. So this isn't probably how things actually are. And when we go into past lives, one of the things I'm also asked is, is it real? I mean, how can I guarantee that somebody was Cleopatra or somebody lived in the middle ages? You know, I have no way to, to guarantee that was even real anyway. And so in the sense of some figure, and let's say it's Cleopatra, for example, I mean, it could be more of an archetypal energy because there is still an aspect to the past life therapy where, where we're going into the past, you know, there's a story that you're going to tell yourself when you follow these journeys in these books, for example, um, you have a problem, you figure out what that is. Okay. You want to work, work on love, health, or money. That's really the three realms that we're dealing with as human beings. So here's the problem. Now we're going to go back into the past and see if we can find a past life that relates to the problem that you're having now. And so as you're going into that space, 
then I'm going to say, okay, great. You're in the middle ages. So what's happening there? And you go, well, I'm seeing this and this and this, and oh my gosh, there's so-and-so. And wow, you know what? I'm doing the same stuff there that I'm still doing here. You know? And so you start to identify these patterns. So it's almost like we're telling ourselves these stories. We don't know whether they're real, but yet if it's real to the person, and if they can use that little narrative to make themselves feel better in the now, then that's a good thing. Secondarily, though, they might be, in the case of a Cleopatra or some other energy, they might be t- talking about like a more of a queen, like an archetypal energy, like a Carl Jung archetype, like we know a pirate, you know, we know what that is, or we know what a queen is, we know what a king is. So maybe they're tapping into that, but as long as the story they're telling themselves is contributing to them feeling better in the now so that they can be a better person when they walk out on the streets. That's my main uh, purpose. But I, I think it's a, it's a good question. And obviously not everyone can be Cleopatra or Jesus or whoever, you know, so I, I hear you. That's all I can say. <laughs> yes. I'm just trying not and to laugh at it. One more thing I, I have to say though, you know, the reason why it's been so valid for me is because I would say 97% of the time people are not anyone famous and they're saying things that are so mundane because most of our lives were very boring, very mundane, not a lot going on. We're nobodies. We're no famous people. And that is one of the reasons why it's, it's become so valid for me personally, because you know, we're not famous people. And when we are, then there's a reason for that too. I get a good chuckle out of the whole thing. Imagine that a hundred years from now, somebody's going to get regressed and they'd be like, well, I was Michael Jackson in a past life. <laughs> yes. yes. They're doing the sliding yeah. dancing and you're going, they, right. they popped out of the cradle doing that all of a sudden. Hmm. Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, my website is pastlifelady.com. Awesome. Thanks for being on the Boundless Authenticity Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a complete joy. Thank you. This has been my pleasure.